Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 93 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and they make orders specifically for whoever ordered them. That means if you want a pound of coffee and you say, hey, can I get a pound of coffee? Guess what? They're roasting a pound of coffee for you, specifically for you. They're not roasting big batches of coffee and then just hoping people buy it and uh, just going from there. No way. No way. They're doing it the right way. They're, they're doing everything made to order, and it uh, helps provide some of the freshest coffee available. And it is available to you. You can order it at www.couchtowncoffee.com. And when you make an order, let them know Audible Farm sent you and enter the code word and save 20%. The code word this week is CAR. CAR is the code word this week. Why is the code word CAR this week? Well, it's pretty simple. I'm talking with Chris Carr. Uh, we sat down once before and talked to the entire Chris Carr band and got a little bit of background from everybody. But, you know, it was great to be able to get out and, and sit down uh, next to somebody and talk to him face to face. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do these podcasts as much face to face as possible. But uh, as everybody knows, recently, it hasn't really been that possible. So uh, shout out to Chris for opening up his studio and letting me sit down and talk with him a little bit. You know, I've been really digging some of the live stuff Chris has been, you know, doing on his Facebook page. And I mean, the production and the audio and video quality has been immaculate uh, compared to a lot of other people's. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that it's something that we didn't all know we needed to know until it was too late and we all needed to know it. And that's that's kind of what it all came down to. And he, he said he's just kind of been troubleshooting it on his on his way through doing things and solving problems as they come up, which is it's pretty cool. You know, uh, he's got the drive to do it and he's got some gear and the gear he didn't have. He borrowed from some people and and whammo. He's got an awesome live setup at his house. Um, we actually used his audio recording for this uh, upcoming podcast. We used his audio recording once before when we did a podcast with the entire Chris Carr band, and I thought it worked out so well. Let's just do it again. So here we are. It's uh, me and Chris sitting down this time, and this one's a marathon. Uh, great sitting down talking to him. Uh, he's always got you know great opinions on things. He's always very open minded, and you know it's pretty cool to be able to sit down and talk with some of these people. I've I've been looking up to Chris for you know almost twenty years now as I've been playing guitar, and I've known him from around the area and. Uh, we discuss all sorts of good stuff in here. Like I said, two-hour podcast. Uh, it's hard to beat this kind of free content that this, you know, is this awesome. And I just got to say thanks to Chris for sitting down and taking the time to to chat with me for a while. And not only that, but you know, doing the heavy lifting and doing the recording on this. So shout out to you, Chris. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's number ninety-three with Chris Carr. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host. Peter Stockdale. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm sitting down with, with Chris Carr today, and uh, we're going to be talking about you know some of your, your new stuff you've been got going on here. Like uh, you got a little studio, you set up a couple cameras, and you're getting everything kind of worked out. You got a really good live stream going on now. Well, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to make sure that I thank Bob Minter because he really helped with that. Oh, he gosh. helped with the camera work. Uh, and because uh, I, I really did, I didn't have any cameras. I had my laptop camera, and I think my first ones were with that. And he said, well, I've got a couple cameras. And then he, he knew how to run the software OBS, which is a free software, by the way. And that really helped a lot. So uh, all of that is 
uh, his deal. Dude, okay, so there you go. OBS, he just let a cat out of the bag. So yep. if you guys are looking to do anything kind of like this, maybe peek into it, because that's... Oh, yeah, and mm. so just to help you, if, if in case you're going to do this, or if, if you're already doing it, or if you've been trying to do this and you're having problems, so I have OBS, and that's what I use to get the, the video. Yep. Um, Does that, like, switch... Like camera angles and everything on OBS. Yeah, yeah. Um, I th I don't know this for sure, but I think maybe you can record individual cameras. Ah. I I I don't know if you can go back and and mix that or not. Might not be able to do that. You'll have to read. I I got as far as making sure that it worked, but yeah. I'm not gonna sit there and tell anybody that I'm an expert <laughs> on it. So to to give you an idea of the rundown, so we have back here we have a uh, we have a Soundcraft UI24. And so this is our preamp. Uh, this feeds our audio software, our DAW, which is uh, Personas, uh, the latest version of Personas uh, Studio One. Then that goes from there into a middle party's software. Uh, it's called Voice Meter Banana. <laughs> okay. And may, now there's voice meter, and then there's voice meter banana, but you need to use voice meter banana, otherwise the whole thing will not work. <laughs> you cannot, that's what you need to get your audio from from uh, Personas, or at least in my case, uh, from Personas over to OBS. Alright. And boy, I'll tell you what, I battled with that for a couple of days, because to find information on it, uh, that made sense to me <laughs> was a nightmare. Uh, I can totally see that because, like, you go to some websites and you're like, "How does this work?" It's like, "Oh, I didn't know I need a video production degree to figure out how to run this software." You know? Well, it's great if you're, you know, if you're a gamer. Oh, uh, all yeah. the instructions are there. There's tons of information out there with Voice Meter Banana for gaming. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a gamer. Mm -hmm. I'm 59 years old. <laughs> you know? Now my son's a gamer, but he couldn't even help me. Oh. And, um, <laughs> So I finally got it figured out, and, and you know, thank God. I mean, but it took forever. Um, but anyway, it works really well. Uh, the thing about Voice Meter Banana is um, it has um, compression in it, oh, and the compression is very good. Mm -hmm. uh, the metering is good. It also has limiting in it, and that's also very good. Um, I don't want to say it was an intuitive software. <laughs> it, for me, it is not. Studio One, yes, that's very intuitive. But I found that with some DAWs, though, uh, like the digital audio workstations, for the most part, uh, if I'm doing just a podcast, it's just like here's two lines of audio. All you need is a little bit of compression. You're done. You know, right? I can use GarageBand and get away with it, and and uh, that's what I use. You know? Right. But uh, I mean, I've done done stuff with like Audacity and Reaper and and other stuff. And they're like way less intuitive but they've got way more features and some of them are better like I've noticed on GarageBand if you add too much compression it just squishes it oh yeah, yeah. so too much compression is not a good thing depending on the software what you're using to compress it you know and that's right some of those things are just things I'm finding out because I didn't I don't have a degree in this and I'm I'm kind of like you I'm just taking my free time to learn this you know on my own and and some of it's just test as you go kind of stuff for the, for the yeah, podcast but very much so and um, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I might even try to figure something out like this because last time we recorded, you used just an omnidirectional mic, and we just sat, and it sounded really good. And yeah, we used a we used a two hundred forty nine dollar uh, <laughs> Apex tube mic, and that worked good. Now this this new one, this is an Apex five eighty, and uh, 
I've gotten a lot of compliments on this particular mic, so much so that I sold one to somebody in Des Moines. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to get the product to deliver it to him. So we're waiting. I have four of them on order, mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to buy another one uh, to have here because it seems to have a nice warm sound. Mm -hmm. And you're you're ordering that through, uh, I mean, like as a dealer through Eighth Note Music, I'm assuming. Yeah. Not just like going on Amazon and purchasing. No, it out, right? no, no. I, I'm a dealer for for Apex. So. Oh, cool. cool. And they, they they make some really great products in it. Um, this isn't a sales pitch. I'm just I'm just telling you that they do. I don't know what it is that they do that's different, but. Uh, um, seems like most of their products are just really spot on. Mm -hmm. So I've been really happy with this mic. There's a, another vocal mic that uh, a number of us are starting to use. Uh, it's a 515. It's also a condenser, but it's a handheld, mm -hmm. and so it's good for stage. But you can you can use that mic also for studio. It's got three capsules in it. Uh, one's a hypercardioid, a standard cardioid, and then it also has an omni capsule. Ah. So that, that could be pretty handy for some things like what we're doing. Like if you were going to do um, um, podcasting and stuff and you were going to multi-interview people, mm -hmm. uh, just like this, this is on Omni right now, mm -hmm. so it picks up everything. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Then you don't have to hook up six microphones into an interface and drag all your stuff all over the place. And yeah, that's... and that that's, that's the other thing, too. When we've been doing these podcasts, I wanted... I didn't want a bunch of equipment in the way. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you're going to need a mic. So what was nice uh, was that we were able to be around that mic. And um, I had seen somebody do this before, and it was um, it was a program, I think it's called West on 54th. And um, uh, it was uh, Steve, Steve Earle was on there. Okay. And he had a bunch of bluegrass players, and they were just walking around the mic, and they would blend themselves, move in and move out. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool. Oh, whoa. I would like to do that. And so this mic has been really good for that. That's cool. Yeah. So did you, like, set up a... I know, I, I know you've got, like, you've always had, like, a computer with something to plug a guitar into to record stuff for uh -huh. yourself. That's, a, that's just kind of... That's what you do, you know, you're a musician. Right. But how did, was it out of necessity that you started adding video and then streaming on Facebook? I'm assuming it was the fact that you couldn't play gigs that was the big... Oh, yeah, very much so. So, everything started to, to die, you know. <laughs> Everybody's gigs were just dropping like flies yeah, uh, as soon like as they announced it. evaporated out oh, of thin air. I, you know, I have lost three quarters of my gigs oh my gosh yeah I had a I had a, a bunch of uh, summer stuff booked it's all gone because yep. they're not having their town celebrations oh yeah Fourth of July is canceled in yep. a lot of places uh, which is very unfortunate and I spotted uh, a streaming page on Facebook uh, Live Cover Nation, I think it's yep, what it's yep. called. Yeah. That got really popular really fast. Big, big time. And um, I can't think of that fellow's name. Uh, starts with an S. Uh, it's over my head. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, what he's done is, is really good. And, of course, a bunch of, them all, a bunch of them popped up since. But I was like, oh, this is what I have to do. <laughs> yeah. i got to get on this right now. Mm -hmm. And so... I'd never streamed anything before, not even with my tablet. Oh, wow. I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have the Facebook app on my tablet oh, wow. <laughs> until this all went down. So 
I was kind of anti-technology for there for a while there. But so got this all going, and I realized this is what we were going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And my daughter goes, "Dad, you need to get a Venmo account." Ah, yes. I was like, "What's a Venmo account?" She says, "Well, the you can the people can tip you." I'm like, "Really?" She goes, "Yeah, you have to have it." I'm going, well, "I don't know how to set it up." She goes, "I'll set it up for you." I'm going, "Okay, good." <laughs> yeah. She goes. And I'm going to charge you 20%. <laughs> you raised so, a businesswoman. That's right. So she's my manager now. So, so she set up the and, so she set up the Venmo and the PayPal. So yep. she's 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 killing me. You know what's really crazy about that is it's it's kind of fun to watch all the musicians and I'm not trying to say that like, you know, you're not technologically savvy cuz you know how to do so much more stuff than I know how to do, but it's like you know, you've never really had to use PayPal or Venmo or anything like that for the most part, you know? No, because really all of that that kind of thing is centered around social media, which I didn't grow up with. Now, I have it, but I would, I would strongly admit that I don't know really how to use it. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem for somebody that's older. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do. It doesn't. It's not intuitive like it is for somebody that's young. Now my daughter will get on, you know. She finally got a Facebook page because she wanted to sell stuff, mm -hmm. and so she's on it. She doesn't use it very much. She only uses it for the selling part of it. But she's just zipping around on it like it's nobody's business. And I'm over here going, how how did you do that? Because I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm learning more, I guess. Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out right now. Do I put my page? Do I make a fan page? Do I need to do that? You know. Um, I mean, there's benefits and downfalls to it. So many of the people that want to watch what you're doing are already friends with you, but on the yeah. on the off chance someone's not, like right. it might be easier for them to find you. Plus, it kind of relieves you from the like. I've got since I started the podcast, it, every week I get about four or five friend requests, maybe more, and it's a lot of them are from people I don't know. So, they, right, they just sit there, and now I've got like. 300 friend requests sitting there because I don't know any of the, I don't know who they are. They have some of them I only have one person in common with and I don't want to just add all these random people and screw up my feed and not be able to see the stuff that I like to see because I've added all these new people. But if you have a page, you can just they just follow it and then you don't have to look at any of their stuff. It's kind of nice. True. I mean, one thing though when we do these pod or they're not podcasts, live streams. Mhm. Mm um I usually get a few friend requests immediately following them, mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And uh, so my friends list has definitely increased. Oh, yeah. Um, so I suppose that's a positive thing. But mainly, when we go to stream, I will have, my wife will be sitting here usually. Uh, she'll run the cameras a lot of times for us. Oh, cool. And... So I, I'll tell her, you know, hey, share this. The minute that we're up and running, share it with these different pages. And, of course, they're all live streaming pages mm -hmm. for music. And I think that really helps. Like this last stream that I did uh, on Sunday is up over, up over 180 or 150 views, mm -hmm. 850 views. Now... I don't really know all of what that means mm -hmm. exactly because you have the number when you're streaming of people that are watching you immediately, but then you have all these other numbers. So you really don't, 
I really don't know how many people are watching at one time. It's tough to decipher all that too because like you said, if, if you go to like one place, somebody might be watching from a group and then maybe the number doesn't show up on your personal page. Or like when it says, oh, I've got 800 views, what does that mean? Well, I actually like looked into some of that stuff and it means that um, 800 people looked at this for at least three seconds. Right. So like they could have like scrolled to it, watched you for three seconds and scrolled past it. It's like click view. Right, you know? right. And, I mean, that's so what I kind of thought. The numbers aren't always justifiable. Um, the The downside is uh, the analytics on Facebook aren't as good as like a dedicated video software. Like a, uh, YouTube's got pretty w good ones where you can be like, what's the retention rate of this video? So you can see, oh, everybody started at the beginning and you can start to see how everyone falls off by the end. And it's, right. it's kind of nice um, as far as like the podcast goes. I noticed that. Um, if I'm having a good conversation with somebody and then at like 30 minutes I just hard shift into gear talk, it loses a lot of people. And I've, I've been able to see that based on the YouTube analytics. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I try and steer clear of it, but uh, that's, I mean, I've always been one to kind of pick your brain a little bit about gear and just kind of talk to you a little bit about what's going on. Some of that comes from you having a guitar shop and like my whole life you've been one of those people that's kind of helped me out with stuff or... You know. Well, I've, I've always been a gearhead, but I started off on drums, mm -hmm. and so I was all about that. I had to have the latest thing, you know, drum <laughs> hardware, and it always had to be the best. And I would, I would save my money, uh, either working for my dad at the gas station or I'd, I'd be out gigging. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of my first gigs it was like thirty dollars, <laughs> but thirty dollars, you know, bought a lot back back then. Yep. And so. <laughs> We'd get home from the gig in the car, and I'd have thirty dollars in my hands, and I knew exactly what I was going to buy with that thirty bucks, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever I had to save up to get. And so it was drum stuff at first, and then I realized uh, that I was going to need to have a PA if I was going to have a band, and I was interested in PA gear. I just I wanted to hear reverb. And that's all we had. We had a spring reverb yep. in the PA, and that's all we had back then. Uh, An actual spring reverb, then I'm assuming. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. With the actual spring in it. And so we'd. Uh, that's a great sound when you're driving down the road. Oh yeah. <laughs> what is that? Oh, it's that's the amp. Okay. <laughs> but I would, you know, I bought the PA gear, and then we had cassette recorders when I was a kid. Uh, I had a Panasonic cassette recorder, portable cassette recorder, and uh, that is how, you know, I'm kind of veering off course here, but this is how, <laughs> the, this was our Napster, Yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> we'd put it by the radio, record the song so we could listen to it later, mm -hmm. but that, that is where the, the gear thing started because I was like, okay, cool, I can record my voice. So now I started recording my drums on there, and then I would play that back, and I would add stuff to it. Oh, cool. Um, with two recorders. Yep. My sister had one, and when she wasn't using it, I'd kipe that thing out of her room, you know, and, and go <laughs> do sound on sound. And then... Um, and then one thing led to another, you know, and it was just more recording gear, more PA gear, whenever I could afford it. I think my first PA system was four hundred dollars. Yeah. And it was two column speakers, and they had four ten-inch speakers in each of them. Yep. And then a PV, 
PA head, and this thing was, this thing was the, it was as wide as a, as an oven top, <laughs> and it had six big, big knobs about the size of a coffee cup <laughs> on it, you know, and, and, and it was so cool, because you just, it made you feel like you were, you were in control. Yeah. Everything, you know. Like you're flying space right, or something. Right, right. You know, look at me. Look at me turn the knobs. I'm so cool. You know. Oh, man. I love stuff like that when, you first, when you're first starting to figure stuff out. Um, the, the easiest one to explain is like, oh, this is a guitar. We'll put distortion on it. Just E chord. Like, look oh, how yeah. awesome this is. It sounds so cool. I mean, like, you're not really doing too much, but. No, no, but it's, it's cool. It's, it's, uh. When I started to play electric, God, I was so clumsy, you know, because I was a drummer, one. Two, I had an acoustic guitar and I was more comfortable with that. And I still, to this day, I'm more comfortable on an acoustic guitar. Um, so when I play electric, I've, I've kind of adopted the Neil Young style of playing where I just know it's going to be bad. So, you know, I'm going to... I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna power through it, and I think I think what it was one day, you know, I would just play all pretty and stuff and lightly, and I got frustrated on stage one time, and I just started pounding the crap out of it, <laughs> you know, and I think I think that was a turning point for me to play electric, because I realized I didn't have to be careful with it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And if and it's an aggressive instrument, so very much. If you're gonna if you're gonna play it, play it. Yeah, I mean, there is actually something to be said about like blues guitarists are you know some of the most like aggressive players. Oh, yeah. I would say because they're really they're really plunking down on the strings and bending the heck out of them and, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that just to get tones. I mean, they'll put thicker strings on there and. Well, yeah, because the the, the guitarists from you know really early on were flat wounds yep, yep. and the string gauges were thicker mm -hmm. I mean god your acoustic guitars when I was a kid they were 13 gauge <laughs> now know. they're like 10 ish or something yeah and so I had friends you know that I had 13s on my on my acoustic because I didn't know any better and they were you know making fun of me and telling me oh you've got bridge cables on there <laughs> Uh, I do remember like seeing a joke back in the day, and it was something like, "Dad, how do I know when I become a man?" It's like when you start playing tens or higher. And, right. And that was like the whole the joke with the old blues guitars, because like you said. They, so what gauge do you play? Uh, I play nines or tens. I've got nines on some guitars, but um, I prefer tens. I I think they sound better, but honestly, mm -hmm. is there really that much of an audible difference? I use tens for years. Them. For years, I use tens uh, because. I didn't want there to be this huge difference between going from my acoustic, which were 12s mm -hmm. or 11s, to 10s. But now I'm using a hybrid string. Um, I started to realize that like when I did uh, really fast hammer-ons or trills, that a 9 seemed to bounce a little better for me yep. off my finger. So I'm using a 9 through 46. Yep. And I've been really happy with those. I, I typically used uh, DR Pure Blues mm -hmm. strings, but I also use the Veritas. Right now I'm using uh, DR Veritas on my guitars uh, as far as the electrics. And then on the acoustics, uh, I used to use um, Diodario EXP-12s in the uh, 8020 series. But 
I switched over to DR Veritas. Um, I don't know what it is. I like them a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I, and part of it is they seem to last a little longer and don't cost as much. Yeah. So, you know, even for a guy that owns a music store. You You're know, still worried about cost. Yeah, price is important. Yeah, yeah, it is. That makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the crazy thing is like uh, as time progresses, everything in the music field gets a lot I mean, I want to say cheaper, but like less expensive and more efficient. You get a little bit more bang for your buck now than you ever have, I feel like. Does that seem like oh, something for you? I, I think, it's, oh, it's very much true because, uh, well, um, you know, a lot of people will complain about prices and stuff on things like guitars and, and whatnot or uh, PA equipment. But, you know, you really think about it. We're sitting, right now, we're sitting in, in, in my little uh, 17 by 17, that's the dimensions of this this uh, room and that we call 17 by 17 and it's a full-on studio yeah and um, there is more outboard in this software than we could actually fit yeah. physically in this room yeah. and if you think about how much those pieces of equipment cost so for instance some of the compressors let's say in studio one that are going to that are going to emulate some of the compressors that you would have seen in a big studio. Mm -hmm. You can you can buy um, Studio One. I'm I'm going to say for between three and five hundred dollars. It just depends on what what their special is. Um, but one of those compressors would have cost you two thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. just one. Yep. You know, and you can have one on every channel. So and that that in itself is amazing. Uh, things like digital mixers, you know, I, I just happen to use uh, Soundcraft's UI24. There are just some amazing mixers out there that are digital. And again, it's the same thing. I have something that's no bigger than uh, five rack spaces and not as deep, uh, as only as deep as a headphone amplifier. Oh, wow. You know. Oh, yeah. I, I can see it now. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, Yay deep instead of, I mean, you, I've got a power amp, you know, tube power amp that's almost as deep as it'll get. It, so it won't fit in some racks. Right, know, right. And this thing's super light. It's got 20 channels. So, <laughs> so this thing's 1200 bucks new. If, if we would have had, if we, if they would have had a council like this 30 years ago, you'd be looking at a million dollars. Totally, though. Oh, easily. Um, so everything has really come down. Uh, because of the technology that's available, uh, even microphones like the one that we're talking in right now is 250 bucks. Um, it's it's kind of replaced one of my other mics, which is considerably now more like, expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can you can buy this other mic that I have, and but it's like a, a grand. Yeah, I mean, you know, and honestly, um, I think this 249 dollar mic sounds great. I mean, that's just something to say about like you don't have to spend a million bucks to sound like a million bucks. You know? No, I don't. I don't think so these days. Um, it really is just what you do with your software, and there are there are certain things that do matter. I mean, stu really good studio monitors matter. Mm -hmm. If you want to know what something is supposed to sound like, you need good studio monitors. Um, that really helps a lot. It's still okay to check some things with your headphones, but you, uh, again, you got to make sure you got really good headphones. Yeah. Yep. You, those are the things that you don't want to skimp on mm -hmm. and, and that do cost um, but yeah microphones 
it's unbelievable how how just how much all of that stuff has gone down in price. Yeah, I mean that also has something to be said for the fact that I mean we were talking you could buy some like rack compressor or whatever. I mean you can do that. It's just another piece of hardware, but you've got one digitally in a software that that does the job just as good. I think it does, honestly. I I've used some of the the other types of compressors, you know, the rack mount ones, and, and some of the mic preamps. Mm -hmm. There are some mic preamps, though, that are in those $2,000 models. Mm -hmm. There's something to be said about them. They do, they have a certain sound. Yep. They're, uh, I don't, I don't want to say they're transparent because they're really not to me. Yeah. They have, they sound a certain way and it's pleasing to the ear, mm -hmm. but it's just like a microphone. You pick the microphone that's pleasing to your ear. Yeah. I mean, roll with that. I mean, for most of my podcasts, I use, I mean, it's, I almost don't want to admit it, but I, I literally use like a $20 Behringer microphone. And it's like, this is, oh, yeah. this is supposed to be like a Shure SM48, which isn't a great microphone, but it's it's less than half the price of the Shure. Oh, the 48s, I think they were great. Yeah. Um, that was the first one I ever started using. Oh, oh no. Sorry about that. No, that's cool. No, but I like... Here, let me put that on mute. I, at one point in time, um, I, I saw a video of... Uh, this is the reason you don't share mics at a local bar. So like you, I was like, oh, I don't, I really don't care that much. But then you see some guy like, um, I don't, I almost don't even want to say it, but he like threw up into the mic while he was playing, and it was just like, oh, that's gonna stay here, and the next band is gonna use this. Yeah. Thing. Or tomorrow they're gonna use it. So I was like, I'm starting to bring my own mic everywhere now. So I, yeah. I, I brought an SM48. So I was like, well, it's not the greatest, but it's also like. If it gets bent up or dinged, I'm not gonna be mad that I, you know, brought some high dollar right. mic in here to sing through. So yeah, karaoke. Yeah, karaoke people go through that. They've got drunks on their mics oh, and they're spitting just spitting into the thing. Ugh. Yeah, my sister does does has had a karaoke show in Cedar Rapids, I think, for about 18 years, and you know, she goes through a ton of microphones. Oof. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can just imagine. A lot of times they look good on the outside until you take them off and pull the sock out of the inside and you're like, holy cow. Oh yeah. Well, it's like right now I've, I've been looking at a, <laughs> been looking at a couple of the vocal mics that we have. We use, right now we're using for our live shows, we're using a, an SM87, uh, just the standard model. Um, and the screens are shot. Mm -hmm. um, they're, <laughs> You know, people go, Chris, which which mic is yours? It's the grossest one. Yeah, because you're, <laughs> you're doing the most singing. If you don't want to touch it, chances are it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's your grossness and not somebody right, else's, right. I, you know? <laughs> you know, my, my wife and I were looking at it the other day, and I said, we really got to get new windscreens for this particular mic. So that'll be, that'll be getting ordered. <laughs> But I mean, that's like super cool. I mean, I think about that a lot of times with, uh, I play more guitar than anything. So like mm -hmm. amp modelers 10 years ago when I was playing or, you know, 15 years ago, you get some like Digitech on the floor, amp modeling, whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah. it sounds uh, all right. It's not to sound bad. I've, I've seen people use them very well and they sound good. I mean, it's, right. really, it's really fun to go watch a touring band. It's like, what are you doing with a Digitech pedal down there? Like, that, this thing is literally just an all-in-one nonsense. And he's like, I only use it for this, this, and this. And if you combine it with these, it sounds good. And it's like, I never would have thought about that. But oh, yeah. But nowadays, you've got uh, digital processors. I mean, obviously, the expensive ones like Kempers and uh, Fractal mm -hmm. Axes. And, yep. But, but almost all of them sound pretty darn good nowadays compared to what they used to. They have a lot more dynamic range than they ever did. And... They they do I th I think I think the where those things really shine is uh, for live use, 
especially for church work um, or or things where you know that everybody's going to be on in-ear monitors, mm -hmm. and he, it, it really helps the sound guy because he doesn't have to deal with the live content. Yeah. It makes everything tighter. Mm -hmm. um, the downside, though, even as good as they are, and they are very good, but even as good as they are, they're, for me, um, you lose some connection. You might have the tone, Mm -hmm. But you don't have the connection between the volume of your amp and the guitar. Mm -hmm. the, those things aren't locking in. So, like, even in the studio here, I mean, I, for I, I use one of these types of pedals mm -hmm. uh, when we do our live shows. So yeah. I have no amp on stage. It just comes in my ears. Now, sometimes I'll take an amp in certain situations. But it does make it a lot easier and certainly it lightens the load on my back to just carry in a briefcase that has my pedal board in it. Um, and then, you know, I can save all the sounds that I need for a particular song. So yeah. that, that, that's awesome. But not being able to have the connection between the guitar and the amp, that does really drive me nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't get... There's certain feedbacks... Uh, certain harmonics that I can't really get yep. without actually having the amp in front of me. Um, so when I'm in the studio, I never use that. Yeah, I always use an amp mm -hmm. uh, because then I can doctor that with, you know, pepper it with effects after the after the fact. Unless it's something like that, I really want to hear out of that pedal board, mm -hmm. but then I can put it through the amp. Yeah, I'm. That totally makes sense. I, I get what you're saying because it's kind of like. If somebody sent you an email, it has all the same content as if they sent you a letter, but for some reason the letter has more yeah. something. It's got that more it's got that touch of love in it that the right. email doesn't have. And that's you know, that's the difference between analog and digital. Is I I feel digital's so close, but but like you said, I mean if you're used to crank your guitar up to ten, lean in towards the amp, create a little feedback and come back, sometimes the digital one doesn't react the same way an no, analog it, one would. It it doesn't. Even even bass guitar uh, you know, for instance, the, my recording software, it, it has a, it has a amplifier emulation software mm -hmm. for both guitar and bass now. Mm. But it, it's not, it really doesn't cut it. There's something missing there. It's not as present. Mm -hmm. So I don't use that at all. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, that's... I think about that all the time too, because there's so many people that do use those to great success and hooray. I mean, it works great and stuff, but mm -hmm. is I don't, I don't know. I've never had the I've never had the want or desire to fully digitize everything I'm doing and be like, this is gonna sound the best because literally what it is is it's a digital representation of a physical thing, and it's you're not actually recreating this thing. You're you're getting as close as you can with this. And I mean, you're you're no stranger to this, and we already talked about this. But like, if you go back ten years and then you look at now, how much better things have gotten, and you know it's only going to keep getting better and closer to the real thing. Oh, I will. Yeah. So so diving into digital is like a weird thing because it's it's convenient and it's easy. I'm almost stealing this from Bob Minter because I remember he was talking about this. But digital's easy and convenient, but it's you need other softwares to run certain things, and then sometimes you got to update things, and then. You know, before too long, it's outdated. Where like an amp is always going to be a guitar amp, and if it was good, it's always going to be good. Oh, it's true because uh, long when this software is no more, mm -hmm. and they have updated their their 
section for amplifiers, this amp will still be here. It'll still be ready to <laughs> yeah, go. And it's still going to sound as good as it ever did. Or if they, or if they don't include it in the next generation, oh, yeah, you know, or stop making the software, it's like, oh crap! Well, there goes that. But I always have this to lean back on. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, I'll use this amp. I used I this amp. Um, this started off as a, a Joyo chicken head amp, hmm. and it came in defective, so they sent me a new chassis, and I put the new chassis in the amp, and I gave the old chassis to a friend. So he took that and rebuilt it, recapped it, and put all the things in it that he wanted. Oh. And then he built this cabinet by hand and no tweeted way. it by hand. Oh, no way. Yeah, and and he, I think he even had this chicken head sticker made. And so oh, put it together, and then he f found a concert, uh, a Jensen concert speaker to put, Ooh, put nice. it in. So it's a 5E3, like a Fender, a Fender Deluxe from the 1950s. Mm -hmm. And it, the thing just screams. But I use this amp a lot for tracking, and I track bass through it, too. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, the reason I did that was because I'd been reading a bunch of stuff on Carol Kay, uh, the bass player, uh, who's been on more more records than anybody. Mm -hmm. So she, she has this technique where she would play through guitar amps because there were really no bass amps at that point. Mm -hmm. And so she would play through like a 410, Mm -hmm. And then eventually they made this amp, uh, I can't think of what the heck it was called, but it was a 12-inch speaker in it. And I went, well, I'm going to try this and just see how it sounds, and, and I love how it sounds. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, with, with her bass, she puts a, a piece of, you can see it on this bass over here, she puts a piece of tape on the bridge. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, I always see people, like some bass players and some guitar players, they have the... Uh, that uh, I don't even know what it's called, but like a Velcro piece that goes around the neck yep. up on top where the, where the uh, nut is. Yep. And so that I'm guessing that helps with uh, some deadening, you know, to keep loose strings from going. But one thing it does, Carol Kay's version, which is down on the bridge, because uh, there's a piece of felt underneath the piece of tape. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it gets rid of harmonics that you don't want. So when you go down for an F, there's a harmonic there, mm -hmm. and it's really irritating to listen to, and you don't even realize that you're hearing it until you put that piece of felt there, ah. and then it disappears, and you pull it back off, and you go, oh my god, that's way different. So you put it back on, and, mm -hmm. but you only put it on, you don't want to kill the sustain, you just want to get rid of that harmonic, and so it makes that F ring more true. I saw somebody do that once at a live show, and they did it from the bottom up. They put something under, yep. underneath on the, like the inside of the bridge, so yep. it came from the bottom up to dead and everything. And I remember just looking at this guy like, "What are you doing? Like this, this is gonna totally ruin your guitar sound." And it didn't, you know. And no, kudos to him for figuring it out. So that's that's pretty crazy. I never would have thought of anything like that. Well, know? I had I had neither. I mean, I'd seen that kind of thing on uh, Rickenbacker basses. They have a, a little device that you push, and it comes oh. up. On some of those um, Gibson EBO, okay, they had one, 
right. And I think they only had that on for a year, and it irritated the players, so they stopped putting it on there. <laughs> it's kind of like putting that sock over the nut, you know. I would, I would assume that that would get in the way, you know, sometimes putting the little string deadeners on the end of the guitar. But Yeah, I, I don't know. They, they seem to really like it. I don't know if I noticed the difference when they're playing. But if they do, that's that's what counts. Yeah, I mean that's that's also one of those things. Like, uh, there's no wrong way to eat the Reese's that is music. You know, no. that's it's, it's so many times it's just like, well, will this work? And you try it. It's like, well, this worked. I mean, let's just do it. And like, did it sound good? Yeah, it sounded good. Like nobody's ever done it before. It's not the way you're supposed to do it, but it still sounds good. You know? Yeah. So, are you recording? Are you? I don't do any recording of, no. of bands or anything. I record some of my own material, but mm -hmm. uh, if I have to be honest, I'm I'm so like reclused by my own abilities that I just toss everything in the garbage when I'm done. Cause oh, it's that's like, not good. No, it's not. It's really not. But it's uh, I just abandon every project I start because it's just like, and I hate to say it, like I do so many interviews with so many people that are so much better than me, different but better, you know. And, yeah. And it's just like, dude, these people are killers. I can't compare to these guys, you know. But you got to start somewhere, and that's the worst part. Is I'm I'm always going back to square one and never getting any farther. Uh, you know, <laughs> my my attitude has always been, always hang out with people that are way better than you, because uh, you'll learn so much, and eventually you'll be one of those people Ooh, yeah. that other people want to hang out with, you know. Um, hanging out with better players will make you a better player. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you will always want to be trying to impress your peers or, or those people um, that you may look up to as far as players. It creates like a weird sort of like friendly competition in a sense. Yeah, you want, well, it's, it's when you're young, you just want to be noticed by them. Mm -hmm. You know, you know you're not going to be able to take them. Mm -hmm. You just want them to notice that you're trying, you know. <laughs> I recall that being a youngster and first learning guitar. You know, you get your first Squire guitar out of the box, the box set with the amp and everything. You're like, I'm going to play guitar. And I remember going to a, a jam night. Uh, I believe you were there. It would have been up at um, Spanky's. If I, if I oh, God, that's right. a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, we were talking like 15 plus years ago. Uh, and, something like that. And so so I, went up to, <laughs> I went up to the jam nights there, and I remember... And I, I, I almost don't want to admit any of this either, but I remember just being like, these old guys. Like, oh, what? yeah. Like, yeah, bring it, whatever. I, I play punk music. I can, I can I've play. been through that. Yeah. And, and so then you watch them, and you're just like, holy cow. Like, yeah. It's almost just, it's like your mind is blown by it all. You're, it's like getting punched, and somebody had just turned your head completely around in a 360, and you oh, yeah. stopped it. Like, what is going on? These guys are so good, you know? And uh, I mean, that's just one of those things. I got introduced to stuff like that. Um, uh, Believe it or not, uh, Bob Johnson used to bring me to jam nights every now and then. Yeah, just Bob. To, just to be like, hey, come to a jam night, you know? And I was like, oh, okay. And then you're like, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this because nobody's going to play anything but that I know. But right. a, lot of, a lot of times people did play stuff I knew. And I mean, that was how I ran into like Eric Nelson for the first time. Yeah, and, Eric, and, yeah. Uh, listening to him play old Hold for Swank songs at yep. a jam night. It's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's one of those things. I, I I've always been like really unsure of my abilities, and about like three or four years ago, I, I had a lot of free time, so I sat down and was like, I'm gonna figure out how to play, and be competent while doing it instead of just kind of guessing your way through it. Yeah. And uh, I got good enough to go to jam nights and things like that. And that's one of those things when you realize like, oh, I can stand next to you know Jeremy Ober and Scott Dahl and Brad Hofing and, and whoever else and just be like. I actually fit in here, you know, and beforehand I was just like, I don't know if I fit in with these people. They're so ah, you good. Do. You know? I mean, I, I saw you over at uh, Rockin' Picnic when you and Jeff 
Oh, you yeah. guys formed that band. Um, what was that band called? The Stockyard. The Stockyard, yeah. Yeah, and that was good. That mm -hmm. was good. And, and, you know, Jeff really appreciated that because being left-handed, a left-handed drummer, you never gets to play. Oh, and yeah. And a jam yeah. because it's... It, <laughs> I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. So he was excited about that. I mean, really excited. And, uh, you know, we sat out in the audience and watched you guys. So you you did fine. I mean, it was a good little band. I thought it, I thought it went great. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I had tons of fun playing and stuff like that. And I... I'd like to go to jam nights and play more, but uh, sometimes I feel like my musical content might not fit in there because I'm a little bit harder mm -hmm. of a player. Uh, I don't play blues quite as much, but like everything kind of fits in. But you also got to think like nobody's gonna know how to play. You know, uh, just got paid by ZZ Top. It's not very like right. it doesn't lend itself to a jam night as well as other songs. Yeah, know? maybe not. You know, um, you know, the jam jams that I used to go to when I was young, we didn't we didn't really. When we got together to jam, we didn't play covers. Mm -hmm. We just played stuff. We just started making music. Mm -hmm. And you know, somebody would call out chords or a progression and then we and we would just go around with that and just kind of invent stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, the jams that I grew up with are, are a lot different. Now the acoustic thing that I did when I was at Spanky's, you know, or Betsy's oh, uh, uh, well, it used to be what Betsy's Bet Blue, Blue Note. Note. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> You're like pulling me back into like my childhood. Right. 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 Yeah. Now that was you know people would come up and and I, I would want them to come up and do a few songs you know mm -hmm. and I didn't care if it was original material or cover material um, that kind of thing helps people that haven't done it before they're not pressured so hard to. To have to have lots of material, mm -hmm. they yeah. Can, they can come up there and just do one song. Yep. Because it's it is first time you step up there. I don't care what the jam situation is. You're you're you want to be involved with music with other people. That's why you go to that. Yeah. And you want to impress people as best you can. So you work pretty hard uh, on whatever instrument that you're that you're playing. You work pretty hard on it. You might not think that that you're cutting it, but just just doing it um, and getting up there that takes a lot of nerve. <laughs> yeah. You know, it does. The first time you do it, you're just shaking. Yeah, I mean, you're just doing all you can to get through that song. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know that you're gonna miss a ton of notes. I remember the first time I did it. Oh God, <laughs> I was shaking so bad. <laughs> I could I could barely keep my fingers on the guitar. I mean, it was awful. I was just sweating bullets. I, I love thinking about that stuff because I even still, to some extent, get nervous before I play. I mean, like I play in a punk band and it's like, well, everything's, you know, there's like six chords tops in this song. It's like three minutes long. Nothing's ridiculously complex. So it's all easy, quote right. unquote. But I still, some for some reason, get like a little, I still get a little bit of those nerves. I don't know if I call it nerves, but it's like, I don't know, it's just anxious or whatever it, what it is, but... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, is that something you still get to this day, or is it like, die down a little bit, or...? I don't get nervous <laughs> too often. Once in a great while, um, uh, I'll, I'll get nervous if I'm doing an, a song that I'm not comfortable with. Ooh, yeah. Uh, or I've just learned, and uh, because... The, it, it, to me, it's really important to present that song well. And I don't want to screw it up, but um, the live streaming thing—that's a whole nother thing. 
it's a different beast altogether. Now, you wouldn't think you'd be nervous because you're just by yourself. You're just sitting here in this room. Mm -hmm. But that camera's on. And I think... I think the difference is when when you're at a jam and you totally screw up, mm -hmm. that happened there. Yep. Everybody's gonna forget about it. Yep. Unless somebody was, you know, vi you know, videotaping with their phone for that YouTube viral moment where you <laughs> where you really screwed up. I caught Chris Carr screwing up yeah, yeah. once in a nine-year event. Right. Check right. It out. Yeah. <laughs> that's an every that's an every night event. <laughs> But um, you get you get on the video here, you do your live stream, and you have so many people watching you, and you're not really aware of exactly who's watching you mm -hmm. for that length of time. It could be somebody brand new that's never seen you before. Ooh, yeah. And you're going, God, I hope I don't screw this up. So you kind of get nervous. Yeah. And I, I was. I was a little bit nervous the first first at least the first one if not the first two that i did mm -hmm. um but after a while i got used to it i i just developed the the train of thought was I'm, I'm sitting here looking at these cameras and then i would look at each camera when bob got them mm -hmm. and i would just go oh i'm gonna wave to somebody over there mm -hmm. you know i'm just gonna pretend that the audience that i see all the people that i know mm -hmm. And um, so I would just look at each camera and say, how's it going? Oh, don't get up. Don't get up. It's not time to go pee yet. You know, that, <laughs> that kind of thing. You still interact with them like everybody's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I, th I think it makes them more comfortable. Hopefully it keeps them watching and keeps things, things interesting. That's the worst. It's like you don't want too much dead air time. Mm -hmm. Just... Just like on stage, you don't want to be standing there for yeah. over a minute with, with nothing to say. Yep. That makes sense. They would rather hear you say, ah, uh, yeah. or like, yep. or some <laughs> other word repeatedly. Maybe what you need to do is like behind the camera set up like a crowd so it looks like you're playing at like Woodstock or something, you know? Like so then you're just like, hi everybody, it looks like there's a big crowd behind right. the cameras. Yeah, it would be handy if Zoom could provide something like that. <laughs> that that's pretty cool. I, I ended up on a Zoom program. A, a teacher, a local a local gal, uh, invited me f to uh, uh, be interviewed in front of her students. And then for her students to ask questions, there's this one kid and he had, I didn't know that you could do backgrounds, so I was like, what in the heck? You know, there's all these dinosaurs in the back running around. <laughs> well, he's wearing a dinosaur hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, I don't, I don't know what was causing it, but he had, there was a pair of eyes on top of the dinosaur hat, and they would, they would, they would come in, and then they would disappear, <laughs> pop up and disappear. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's really weird. Yeah, it's that partial facial recognition software that they use. I mean, I've I've done it very little bit with uh, Skype and Zoom. You know, you can do it with both of them. And it's, you don't even need a green screen, but it's kind of guessing based on, like, this is, like, a body shape and a head shape. And if you've got, like, a big hat on, sometimes it'll yeah. know, green screen it out. And sometimes it comes back in, like I said. But, I mean, that's, that's another thing that's pretty crazy is the fact that there's so much, like, video conferencing and things like that going on. And it's... 
it's almost like hard, I feel, to not get lost in the jumble with some of that stuff. Like, if you're going, that's the only reason I haven't done video conferencing for the podcast, because it just, yeah. it's, it's hard to differentiate yourself from the pack if that's the only thing that's going on. It is. I, I, th- I think that's true. Um, otherwise, it just looks like everybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I, I'm sure, like, gamers go through that same thing, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is it, Unilad or whatever, uh or mini lad or something out there who's a big gamer my son always talks about this guy you know and everybody's copying his his youtube mm-hmm. channel like crazy yeah you know so they start to look like his um you know as far as how you present yourself on on these things it's anybody's yes it's what works for you yeah I you mean, want to be in like a smoking robe in a leather chair with a pipe, like, right, you know, like right. how how cool do you want to make yourself look? Or are you just sitting in front of a laptop camera? Or what's going on? But. Right, and the technology is cool. I mean, I mean, I've got these cameras and 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 things and the, the recording software, something more than somebody else has. But what really counts is just your performance. Yeah, are you going to be able to keep them busy? Are, or engaged and that that's what that's what really matters I, I saw a gal what was her name smokestack betty on one of these streams mm-hmm. and um she plays a 12 string guitar she's an older gal and my god she knows so many songs mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and she just sits there and casually plays. It's nothing fancy. She's apparently just got her phone mounted. Mm-hmm. And she's just sitting, I'm guessing, in a living room and just pounding out songs. And people just love her. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, that's the other thing is you don't... It comes back to you don't always need all the... You don't need a, a nice mic. You don't need a different camera other than the one that's not on your phone. You don't need any of that stuff, really. No, you just I need mean, yourself. You just have to be confident enough to sit here and then talk to your audience just like you and I are sitting across from this table talking to each other. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird disconnect. I took a, a public speaking course online. <laughs> and this, this was the rules for the public speaking course. You had to be in a room with all the doors and windows closed. Okay. You, you had to videotape the entire room to show that nobody was in it. You had to videotape the ceiling and floor to show that you were going to cheat by looking at notes somewhere. Oh, really? And then you videotape yourself for public speaking in an empty room with nobody else around to nobody. And you would record it on a camera. And this was the public speaking course that I took that I paid money for out of college. Right. That you could have sat and just did that yourself. Bingo. Yeah. And it's like, this... like I I failed to realize, like, why is this important? This this has no public speaking because, believe it or not, I I don't... Public speaking doesn't make me nervous. I can stand up in front of people and talk all day. Some people get so queasy and nervous just to talk to people, but I can talk forever for no reason, and it's, it's I'm okay with it. But for some reason, like you said, when it's just you and a camera, you're like, this is getting recorded. Somebody else is going to have this. They can play it anywhere, anytime they want to. They can put it on a big screen and play it to any, you know. So you get a little, like, nervous, but I, I asked, like, what's the point of this? And they actually said that uh, a lot of interviews will be that way now because they don't want to fly people halfway across the country to do an interview. So they're like, here's the stock list of 20 questions we're going to ask you at the interview. Answer them on a video. And that's how a lot so of... So they can edit it after uh, the fact? Maybe, maybe not. Like, my class, we couldn't use edited material. So you oh. had, it had to be straight, one shot, no edits. And um, Oh, wow. 
Um, for anybody that's going to take that class, if, if you end up taking something like that, and they want your manuscript, just write your manuscript after you talk, and then it matches perfectly and you get all A's, but that's... Right. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but anyways, um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's like, I just think about that stuff when it comes down to, like, recording yourself with video and things like that. That's another reason I haven't done the podcast, because it's like, now i got to make sure I don't have any buggers, you know, is my right. hair cut right, you know, right. I don't have a makeup oh, gal. Oh, that's, that's the thing, you know, like, I walk in here, and I'm finally, you know, I'm just in a t-shirt and my hat, mm -hmm. because the lighting isn't perfect, you know, this, this is, I've done... I've done what I can with the tools that I have. You've done very well, well with it, you, honestly. You. Like, well, the, the first one's really rough, but that that was an issue over uh, internet speed, uh, a bad a bad uh, Ethernet cable. I think I remember seeing something about that online. You said like maybe there was like a squirrel that at one point in time had chewed on a line or something. That and... that had happened. So our cable line has <laughs> been chewed by a squirrel. We had a damaged Ethernet cable. Oof, yeah, everything. Um, Down the tubes. And then in all of this info, we had talked about this earlier, in all of this info about looking at OBS and trying to figure out how to run all of this stuff together, nobody, nobody in anything said, hey, you should probably delay, turn on the delay. Mm -hmm. A few seconds of delay. So... I turned it on to 30 seconds of delay. I wanted to make sure. I thought, mm -hmm. we'll do a test. Boom! That's all it took. It just, that's <laughs> all it took to make the stream run smooth with all of, with all, all of this video cut out. That's awesome. You know, um, now we're running at 15, but I thought about going back to 30. It ran so smooth that way. Mm -hmm. I only notice a couple glitches now and then. I kind of wonder if, if I ran it at 30, if the video wouldn't be clearer. Mm -hmm. um, um, have enough time to process that. Just like when you're watching your Netflix, if your internet's not working quite great, you'll see the picture start to degrade. Yep, audio drop and things oh, like that. Oh, yeah. That's been a, a new thing with Netflix, I've noticed. A handful of people have been complaining about oh, random, audio. Oh, audio is horrible. Drops. It just... And I like literally every video I watch. Every time it happens, it's, I do the I hit the complain button because it's just like somebody needs to fix this or else nobody's. You have a my... complain button. There's a complain button on there. You can be like, what? well, I'm, it's, I'm it's mine's like a... through Apple and Apple Puck. Yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like a little question mark thing. That's one of the. It's not like the play or the fast forward or reverse, but there's like a question mark. And I'm it's gonna like, have to look for that. And it's like, is there an issue? And you can be like, yeah, the sound's not good. And you just be like, there's a blip every two minutes. And if, if it happens, I always complain because it's like someone's got to fix this, or else I'm not paying you money for it. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, You're you supposed know. to be like the highest service that can be provided. You know, it's bad when you have to turn your closed caption on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> that's a new trick everyone's been doing too. Though is the. The closed caption is always on on everyone's Netflix, it seems like now. I don't oh, I had to. We we watched Peaky Blinders, and mm. I was like, I can't follow this dialogue. i got to turn that on. I want to know what that guy says, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because the, the accents were so heavy in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great show, though. Uh, oh, man. But, so, uh, yeah. You've got to be creating quite a bit of content, I guess. Uh, I mean, you've got all these videos. They're all available on your Facebook page right. or on your personal account I guess it would be yeah because you you don't have a personal page for your music other than the Chris Carban page right right, right. I, I hadn't th I hadn't thought that far honestly this all took place and now I'm thinking about all of that stuff you know I thought about starting a fan page thought about starting a 17 by 17 page but I kind of got to watch what I'm doing 
Um, I have to be careful of the content that I have coming in. Mm -hmm. And I figure, too, and am hoping that this is this is more temporary yes. than permanent. But right now, it's run longer because of the coronavirus issue the, and, <laughs> and everything. This has run much longer than I anticipated. I thought we'd... I thought we'd be down a month, yeah, and then slowly be coming three months back. now. But then when that didn't happen, I told somebody I said we're gonna this the summer's over. Mm -hmm. I can just tell right now, and, and that's where we are. So um, I don't have anybody booked in here yet. I got to see how that's gonna go. Now we've had other people besides myself and Jeff Blummel. Yep. Uh, the cosmic brownies. Yeah. We've, we had Clint in here. We had Clint and uh, um, the the, the um, blue ribbon ramblers. Blue ribbon. I always want to say Wright County Ramblers. That, well, uh, blue. Yes, that I makes know. Sense, yeah. That's uh, him. The blue ribbon ramblers, and then we had uh, Brutal Republic in here. Oh, cool. And um, I would actually like to have those guys back in here. Clint did a great job. You know, his video. He was very entertaining. He did a great job. Um. Jeremy always does a great job. I did a, I did a, he and I did a duo here. Um, we had a lot of people view that, mm -hmm. um, and I've had a lot of compliments on that particular one. Um, and of course, Brutal Republic was here, and thank, thank, you know, Bob for lending me these cameras. Bob Minter from, shameless plug, Code Zero Radio here. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have to say that. I hope that was okay. I love him. Um, yeah, you gotta love Bob. I mean, he's just so. He just loves music. He just wants yes. to do it. And yes. uh, I wish, I wish we could just give him that. You know. Yep. Uh, but he was so kind to let me use these cameras, and what's cool is we, this this one camera is off like a drone, so it's got a wide. Yeah, it's a and it's a cheap drone, one hundred thirty nine dollar drone. So, so got this thing hooked up, and I I have it. I, I take it off the mount, and on the Brutal Republic performance, I'm running the camera all up and down. I'm flying it around, mm -hmm. trying to give it that kind of cool look. And we put some lighting in here, so it was kind of psychedelic. Nice. But um, And people like that. The, the only downside to that whole particular performance, we had a cable go bad on the bass. On the bass, or the the DI for the bass, and I was so bummed, and it took me forever to figure out what was going on there. Mm -hmm. We thought we were just overloading uh, the audio because mm -hmm. I had it pumped up pretty good, but uh, it turned out there was a wire broke. No, oh, it's the worst. So, and it was just intermittent. Oh no! And so it's just making this little so, scratching. Yeah, so yeah. Vino wiggled just the right way it would do it. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't even his guitar cable. It was just in the back of the amp, and oh. so just the vibrations alone. Oh man! So what a nightmare. Anyway, so I'd really like to have them back in and get a another performance. The other thing too that's been kind of cool about doing this, and I will say this, is that um, now, like for instance, Brutal Republic and Wright County or. Uh, Blue Ribbon Ramblers now have some video content mm -hmm. um, out of here that actually looks pretty decent. Mm -hmm. It sounds pretty decent. Yep. So they'll be able to use that as a selling tool and it'll probably help them get more gigs. Yep. Um, and of course, Clint's been doing videos, which I, he whoever's doing that is doing it. Is that you doing that? Is maybe, that you? Maybe. Yeah. I, I think I heard. I was trying to figure it out because I was talking to somebody about it. You're doing that. That was good. It was good work. <laughs> I made a music video for him. 
the cool part about that was we recorded in like four hours. We just picked a handful of settings and recorded a bunch of different angles and yeah, yeah. I, I just smushed them all together and a wham music video. Yeah, no, you did a great job. Well, you had good a good good subject matter always helps too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all about what what you're aiming the camera on yep. too. The so. secret about that was I wanted to get it done by Mother's Day. And we were about a week late, unfortunately. Oh. We, we, we couldn't hammer out a time to sit down and record stuff. Or we'd, we wanted to record outside, but it's raining. You can't really record in the rain, you know. And it was crazy that we picked a perfect day. There was just a little bit of cloud cover when he hits his like last verse. And it, obviously the song's about his mom. Yeah. He, he hits the last verse and the clouds part and the sun starts shining on him. And it's oh, wow. completely natural, by accident, ha happenstance 100%. So, you gotta like that. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I was just... I had multiple cameras. I was always just recording them, and ironically, I'm just using a phone camera. They're they're good enough now that you can. Oh yeah. They're passable. So yeah. I was using a phone camera, and I mean, he was just dinking around, and I recorded all of his outtakes, and one of them sounded so good without with just the raw audio. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh, this sounds good enough like, to phone upload. Phone cameras are better than what we're what I'm using right uh, here, probably. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm trying to relate to so many people. Like everyone, if you have four people in a band, you got four people with awesome cell phones usually. Yeah. Just put them on a tripod and record them. Then all you got, the only worry is you've got to have some way to get good. You have to have an editor and yep. yeah, yeah. The audio is the big one, mm -hmm. and that it, that seems to be a big thing with all of the live streaming. That I see going on. I have a buddy out in California, and he constantly uh, messages me about the performance. And he says, "You're let you know everything you're doing." He says, "Your audio is just killer compared to everybody else's." And I don't really know why that would be, but um, because so many people have access that that know a lot more about this than I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some there was a couple people compared this to Daryl's house. Well, <laughs> this is Daryl's. Daryl's closet, maybe, but, <laughs> you know, but but they've been happy with it, and that's that's really all I care. Um, if it'll, um, and the main the main thing that I didn't really realize at first, you know, I was just trying to have something to do yeah. when this all went down. But there are many people at home; uh, they can't get out. Uh, mm -hmm. People with huge health issues that I didn't know about. There were people that would watch me, and but, but couldn't because they can't travel. They can't travel. So um, I said uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm just going to keep doing this. I don't know how often. Mm -hmm. um, you know, once a week. Yeah. Um, at least probably. Just just hop on, even if it's only for a half hour. Yeah, I mean, you could pick a half an hour on a Tuesday evening and be like, it's... Yeah, you know. just, it gives gives them something to do. Mm -hmm. um, and and also uh, some social interaction. Because when we're doing this, unlike a recorded performance, they can write to us. And it might only, you know, it might be 15 to 30 seconds delay time but still we're we're able to answer them back and, mm -hmm. and uh, so I think that's helped a lot we've had some people write us and, and basically say that so we'll continue to do that I I I think mostly though that it's interesting to watch for me how other people get it done mm -hmm. um, I watched this guy up in Alaska 
and I'm trying to remember his name. And he he does looping. He's got an ukulele and a rubber string bass, keyboards, and you know he'll he'll beatbox and get a loop going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, on one particular video, they were just talking about pickles. <laughs> Started talking about pickles. And all of a sudden, there's pickles. He's got pickle. Pickles up in behind him. He's got like a green screen going, you know. And uh, look at that beautiful pickle footage. <laughs> and he's got this, you know, this really trippy funk music going on. And he's singing about pickles. I want to put them in my mouth, you know. Oh my god. And uh, he was he was great. I watched his his deal. Um, and then there's some other people out there. There's a couple gals from. Uh, Minneapolis area, and I can't think of their name. I have a buddy that that uh, loves to watch them, and he he's uh, a person that has to stay in his house. Um, but he watches them, and they they have these nice harmonies. They both play guitar, and they tour, you know, worldwide. Mm -hmm. But they're just a couple gals that play acoustic music from uh, Minnesota, and I think. They have some originals, but they I think they mainly play covers. Yep. Um, and so they are just doing it with a phone cam, mm -hmm. but I think they've got something now to plug into their phone mm -hmm. that interfaces with a, an audio interface, yep. so they, have, they can use a little better mic. Yep. Um, I talked recently with uh, Trevor Triber from... Oh, yeah, I, lo I love that guy. Dude, I went and watched one of his recent... He's junk, junk really talented. Jams. He is. Yeah. Very talented guy. Almost offensively talented. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to be able to be this good, dude. Like, save some for the rest of us, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote him. I wrote him. I, pl I played a gig with him uh, uh, um, with the Surf Zombies. Or, no, it was the, fl the Camaros, the Flaming Camaros uh, with Brooke Hoover and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, he's, he's very talented. Anyway, I, I wrote him because I listened to your interview uh, with him, and he was... He said that he didn't feel that he'd be a good front man. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't know how like, that could be. You're an awesome front man. Yeah. I mean, you're, doing, you're, you're already doing it. Yeah. You're doing, already doing it. Doing it every Sunday with Junk Food Jam already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what was that, that song? Because you were talking about that song um, where he's talking about the music industry, about being a punk rock show. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the... There was just those were great lyrics, and that was a funny song. Yeah, it was just so well done. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, I shared that. I shared the crap out of that. He, I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, he, I mean, he had the ability to tiptoe the line without being offensive towards one way or the other. You know, oh yeah. Like, it pretty much just came down to I'm tired of making pennies. I'd rather just sell out and make some money at this point. You know. And and he's it, right though. It, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> how it is. Then it it is it is. You know, back back then I wanted to play rock. You know, when I was young, and you couldn't make any money playing rock, you had to play country if you wanted to play if you wanted to make money. Mm -hmm. It was just a fact. Yep. I mean, that's not much different than now. I mean, playing original music doesn't get you as far as playing covers usually, especially if you're like playing in bars and things. But. No, you you almost have to like what we do. We have a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we kind of kind of sneak it in there. <laughs> the best part is when you s sneak it in there. And they and, don't know. And nobody will know because yeah. it's like, oh, this is just as good as the last song. Yeah. So. And if you're doing that, then you're doing all right. But yeah, no, it, it's definitely tougher. It's, it's a lot tougher doing original music. There's no no doubt about it. And, and it shouldn't be that tough. Mm -hmm. 
that should be just really a, a wide open area and I I would encourage uh, venues to embrace that as much as possible. Yeah. I think that's where we're headed. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on location and the audience that's usually there. Oh, Santa certainly. Us, so you're gonna you're gonna see more of it in in larger cities, of course, mm -hmm. uh, like Des Moines or Minneapolis. Oh yeah, et cetera, I mean, et cetera. You could stand anywhere in Des Moines and throw a rock and go find live oh, yeah. music. Oh yeah, yeah. Almost oversaturated at this point, but probably probably is now. And it's funny because I've never played in Des Moines. Yeah, it's, I mean, well, that's the other thing. It's not. Not every town's for every person, you know. And it's, no, it's it's always tougher to get into the larger towns because the, there's definitely a um, a select group. Mm -hmm. It was tough. Like when I lived up in the Twin Cities, it was tough to get into that market too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I I ended up in an original band, so I was in the same boat everybody else was. We yeah. were just getting whatever gig we could get, mm -hmm. you know, playing coffee shops and stuff too. And. Um, I think we've got to play one bar where they paid us, you know, like actually just paid us decent money. Mm -hmm. But the rest was just all, uh, they might give us 50 bucks and some tip yeah. money, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's, that's always the toughest, though. It, it seems like slightly disheartening to put all that energy and work and stuff to go to a bar and get paid 20, 30, 40 bucks by a bar and just be like, thanks for playing a half an hour, here's some money. But Oh, yeah. Well, I think, I think if you were in a decent... You know, band that was that was working pretty regular up in the Twin Cities. Yeah, if you were a player, you'd make like seventy bucks a night. Eh, yeah, back back you know, then, yeah. So. And and fifteen years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I decided when I lived up there, I decided I would be a sound guy because that paid two hundred dollars. Oh, oh yeah, but then you got you got to be there the whole night and make everyone sound good. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pressure involved. It is. I'd it love is. to say being a sound guy is easy. It is not. Oh no, it's not easy. No, that's that's a private hell. <laughs> you're dying on an island. All oh by yeah, yourself. you know, especially if you're bumming somebody out, you're just not getting the sound that they want. And I mean, it's gonna happen. I don't care how good you are at it. You you cannot please everybody a hundred percent all the time. It's it. Not only that, but but back then the equipment really still wasn't as good. Fifteen years ago, just as little as yeah. fifteen years ago, the minute that we came out with these digital consoles, that really changed everything a lot. We just had so much more control, and now with um, things being so visual, we can use a, a GUI um, and and just. Put your finger on there and and EQ something with your finger. You don't yep. have to sit there and go, oh, what frequency is this? Yeah. You have an RTA that you can pop up and you can you can see it right there, and and know what you're grabbing and mm -hmm. know what to get rid of that might be an offensive frequency. Um, yeah, I mean, and then you can save it. Yes. Oh, that's the coolest thing about those is like I got this mixed for us at venue X and you just uh, save this as venue Call X it up, yeah. and then the next time you show up there you're like this worked last time and then you just tweak it a little bit based on slight differences oh, that are it, going and on. It's exactly like that so how, how we do it um, or how I do it I have a base setting uh, in my mixer for let's say my acoustic show or the band show mm -hmm. and I just recall that um, and then when I get into that venue, um, I'll do tests with microphones, um, with my guitar. I'll run through frequencies. Mainly it's going to be 
in the low low frequencies I'm gonna find those and get rid of those so that I don't have feedback out of my acoustic. Yep, yep. Ooh, yeah, like... so that there's hot <laughs> notes. And then uh, same, it's kind of the same thing for the vocal. When you get up into the highs, you're going to notch a couple things it out. It's kind of brittle or um, yeah. piercy in certain areas. Yeah, you're just trying to get that, you're trying to get that out of there. And then really the only thing that, that band-wise that we have to do, because uh, the drums are going to change, even if our drummer doesn't bring a different kit, um, the acoustics of the room are going to change some. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to make some adjustments in the drums a little bit, probably, mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that they sound right. The guitars and the vocals we don't really ever have to mess with once we have that main EQ set. So what you're telling me is Scott needs to junk his drum kits and just go completely digital? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you hear that? Can you hear that, Coco Bear? <laughs> that's, that's a wild thing, though. I feel like drums digitally are so much better than they used to be, but I still don't think they're anywhere near any other instrument that's been digitized. Like, guitar modeling amps sound so much better than a digital drum set, even still. Is it because it's so nuanced or tough to get those proper notes out of a drum set? Or I think... Um... Okay, so I should set this up. I'm a drummer. Okay, there we That's go. That's my first instrument. So I'm definitely a little biased, probably, mm -hmm. about that. There are things that you can do with a snare drum, just with a snare drum, so many things that the electronic kits simply can't cover that. Yeah. It's not possible. That's just too much information. And it doesn't make sense to try to put that information in there right now. Mm -hmm. The electronic drums themselves, though, what I notice more so is that they're hyped so hard like you can tell that they put a they put some type of subharmonic mm -hmm. frequency on the kick drum okay to really beef it up yep um where it's just too intense it's not it doesn't sound like a real kick drum that's just like speed metal that's not a real kick drum on there that's with, not with possible the, with the triggers on it yeah i mean because the beater the beater isn't going to touch the head long enough with that to create enough impact there's no way mm -hmm. no way you'd be able to make that kick drum loud enough with mm -hmm. that kind of speed so you're gonna have to trigger it and that's that's what i noticed like the snares don't sound natural to me yeah i feel like a lot of like the ghost notes and things like that yeah just, they just won't come out of it because no no and you can't do little things you can't you can't adjust the snare strainer to be either loose or super oh, tight, yeah. depending on what you want that thing to sound like. You can't just instantly grab, like, like on my snare, I can put, uh, 
um, one of these tone rings, like an E-ring on there, or let's say that you put a drum drop on there, a stick-on drum drop. Mm -hmm. During a song, you can't just grab it and just throw it to the side, and then all of a sudden the snare is open. Mm -hmm. You don't really have that option unless you, unless you get a pad, yeah. another pad, and have two snares that are yeah. different from each other. Although there are other things that you can do with electronic kids. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's pretty much just MIDI, so you could go nuts with it if you really want Oh yeah, I mean to. you can sample stuff. I suppose you could sample your own drum set and do that, but it still would not have uh, that sound. Mm -hmm. It just it just wouldn't. Um, I love using a real kit in the studio. I uh, I don't foresee a time when I'm going to probably use an electronic kit. Yeah. I think the best part about them is they're they're really convenient. Most of the time, you can like take them and just fold them up like a rack and set it in the corner, and they're pretty small, you know. Yeah. Um, well, things like church gigs, I mean, they're kind of a mainstay there because that's a volume issue. Mm -hmm. Anytime that there's a volume issue, you're going to see those kind of drum kits. Yeah. Well, back when we were on the road, um, you know, and we're playing some hard rock, we're in some of these clubs, and there's volume restrictions. And I remember, you know, we're playing these tunes, and I had to pull out some root sticks, you know, to play with just to drop the volume. Mm -hmm. And I had to do that the whole week that Oof. we were there. Yeah. And I was like, I hate this job. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pound my drums. I could not wait to get to the next gig mm -hmm. so I could smack those puppies, you know. Um, that that's probably the most frustrating thing about being a drummer is you know being told to turn down you know i i remember i was on the road we were doing a sound check in wisconsin and uh everything's mic'd and you know we're doing drum tests and getting that done and there's a drunk out in the audience and he's complaining and he's like turn it down it's too loud too loud you know <laughs> And we're just trying to get through it. And then he he called me called me a choice name and I followed him out <laughs> and confronted him on it. I said, Don't ever do that to me again, you know. And that night that same guy shows up, just tanked, and requests wipeout. <laughs> <laughs> trying to try to stick one in your craw there. Yeah, I just, uh, I gave him the, the number one sign and said, yeah, that's not happening. God, that's always the worst. Cause, I mean, you'll hear that at like, uh, people yell Freebird. That's the one for the guitarist. Freebird! Oh, yeah. well, yeah. Doug Nickel, that's his favorite. You know, I've got a Freebird for you. <laughs> oh, man. I do think one of the coolest part about like a digital mixer is the fact that you're eliminating a lot of cables in, in, by doing it. You can leave it up on the stage. You no longer have to put the whole entire mixing console in the back of the room and oh. then run cables from the back all the way back to the stage and mics and there's no more of that nonsense that really has to go on anymore. Oh yeah, well you don't have outboard gear like compressors mm -hmm. and, and gates to carry around for the drum kits and vocals. Um, you don't have separate effects racks uh, that you need to carry around. So if you've not only have you limited those physical pieces of gear, but you've limited all the cabling that goes along with them yeah. and the racks themselves. And now a lot of us have switched to in ears, which also has eliminated a lot of a lot of no weight. more monitors up front. Right. Yep. And I I think last year is when we finally made the switch to a lot of that stuff. 
Um, we've been running a digital council, but we we went from a traditional dig digital council to one that just sits in a rack and that you control with a with a tablet. Mm -hmm. And I figure we uh, we eliminated a thousand pounds of weight, maybe oh, wow. more, out of the trailer. Plus the amount of time that it is required to set up. Oh yeah. Gosh. So really, um, we have two systems that we run. We have a we have a self-powered system PA, um, which is a 15-inch speaker sub and then two 10-inch tops. And you would not think that that would get it done, but yeah. that thing is amazing. And because of the processing. That you and the power that you get through one of these digital mixers, you can eke out a lot more headroom out of a small system. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that system. So it's just roll the mixer in, plug into it, run the tie lines to the to the powered system, mm -hmm. and fire it up. Do a quick EQ check and go. Yep. Uh, the other system is a bigger system and. And we didn't even use it last year. Now that system's 8,000 watts of power, and we never pulled it out once. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Um, but that's a separate set of power amps. Yeah, it's a whole. But it's still, it's only a couple more cables, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the weight factor, because like the subs are 200 pounds a piece. And, I'm I'm only in my early 30s and I'm tired of carrying around heavy oh, yeah. stuff, you know. Like, yeah, I don't I, want to carry it. I get it, man. I I I have a base cab that literally weigh. I think the in the manual it says it weighs 98 pounds. Yeah. And it's just a base cabinet for a bass guitar. I mean, they sell for a lot of money, but nobody around here wants to buy it from me just for the simple fact that it weighs so much. Oh, you can't you can't get rid of a 412 cab right now. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Yeah, I never thought I'd see the day where like Marshall 412 cabinets would be like us oh, 250, 300 bucks, and it's like this thing's got full well, of sauce. I mean, you, you know? look here. This is. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I use. I mean, I've always used. I mean, even I've got a crank amp over here, and I, it's, uh, it's just single 12s. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice know. though. I mean, you really don't need much more. No, because you're micing everything usually. Um, that that helps. I mean, it's more set up. You got to run a mic to here and a mic to there, but mm -hmm. um, you get more control over your sound. It helps keeps your stage volume down. Mm -hmm. um, in in the band that I'm in, uh, the other guitar player, Bruce, he puts his amplifier or not his amplifier, but his speaker cabinet inside a case mm -hmm. to uh, eliminate that sound being on the stage. Yep. in certain places yep. if we can get away with it and just have the cabinet open and it certainly would be better mm -hmm. and so we'll do that I think our last gig we got up to uh, we were up in at Humboldt mm -hmm. at the um, North Iowa Dragway oh yeah did that end up going that end up no it did not we got rain they were just just super nice people we we got up there got on the trailer we're, we're setting up right next to the drag lanes and watching these cars take off and it was just so awesome um and of course there was times you know we couldn't see anything or let alone breathe yeah yeah <laughs> oh my gosh but it was really cool um so we sat up and uh the gal that's in the in the booth doing the announcing she's talking about the band and she's you know um just excited to have us there and pumping everybody up you know and finally, we're supposed to start at 10. Finally, the drags get, off, get done. 
we're all ready to go. 15 minutes before we were supposed to start, our drummer goes, hey, look at this. And it was, I looked at it, it was the smallest but reddest dot on the, yeah. and it was heading right for Five you. miles, <laughs> right five miles away. We're like, oh crap. <laughs> so. And it poured, because I mean, I'm, I'm. It didn't pour where we were. Oh, it, really? it rained some, but it was the, we didn't know what to do. So me and the, uh, the guy that hired us, we got together, we're standing there, and like we're trying to figure out what should we do. All of a sudden, a bolt of lightning hits right by us. We're like, okay, well, that's it. <laughs> Pack it up. <laughs> Pack it up. So oh we tore gosh. it down really quick and shoved it in there, and then we just stood around and talked mm -hmm. for about the next hour after we packed the trailer, and we're just so bummed. Oh, my god! Didn't gosh. get to play, but he was. they were so kind. They were they were so kind and they booked us for um, back, uh, they booked us back there August twenty eighth. Cool. So I think that's one of the neat things. Like Humble County's got a dragway still. That's pretty sweet, you know. It like, is. I, I I don't know. I think I'm gonna find some time to go up there when I'm not playing. Oh yeah, actually enjoy yourself instead of hauling gear around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, the sad thing is I won't get as good a seat. Oh yeah. Right <laughs> next to the, yeah. Right next to the lanes themselves. It was kind of funny though. We were. To, for us to set up, we had to we had to actually be in the the lanes that they take you over in to go drag race mm -hmm. and then back the trailer in and so we were we were thinking about taking the trailer down the <laughs> just make a pass once for fun. yeah <laughs> oh that's one of the other crazy things like you don't play a whole lot of like I would call them just bar shows anymore. You're, a lot of your shows are usually outdoor, uh, akin to an event or like a weekend at a, a winery. They're gonna have uh, yeah. something going on and then they have music and you guys are there for three four hours or something. You, those are a lot of the shows you play now. So even though bars are open and have music in them now, mm -hmm. that's not really. I'm not, I'm not saying that's not your scene, but that's not your major area where you play now so a lot of your shows have been canceled just due to the fact that street dances for certain towns have been canceled and, and things like that and uh like how does that how's all that shaken down for you how do you feel about that i, th I think that when the wineries and the breweries came in i think that changed the whole live music dynamic in many areas of the country um, we're here in iowa of course for us here where we're living it really kind of overtook the bars yeah as far as live music um a lot of bars aren't really set up for live music it's yeah. just an afterthought but many of these other places are really gearing towards that for instance uh, one venue here in town has built a stage Ooh, but nice. they always intended on doing something and they've they've made slow steady progress uh they're in fact they're going to be putting in lighting now oh cool they have a sound system there um they even went as far as they listened to advice from many people and they put in sound deadening oh cool so that's really helped the acoustics which is really nice to see um one of the wineries even did the same thing they they um they figured out how to get the room to to quiet down mm -hmm. uh, because they use that room not only as the place that they entertain the people but when people aren't in there on and in those other hours that's where they make the wine yep so they those places seem to really have it together on that on that um some of the more traditional bars that have eateries in them 
they all they'll have music. Yep. Um, sometimes, but they're probably more geared for solo acoustic music. Yep. A lot of times. Now we're gonna we are playing a bar this weekend on the thirteenth, and that's at Sneakers. Oh, cool. Yeah. Or not Sneakers. Pardon me. Huh. Back that up. Community Pizza. Still cool. Uh, yeah. The, on the thirteenth. Um, I believe this is for some type of cancer benefit. Nice. Uh, but nice. it will it will be outside. Oh, cool. So They got that big parking lot there and everything? Yeah, I don't know if she's going to have us in their pavilion there or if she's going to have us out on the sidewalk. I'm kind of hoping we'll be out on outside on the sidewalk because you can fit a lot more people that mm -hmm. way. I don't know uh, if they've got that straightened out with the city or not. Mm -hmm. well, I guess we'll find out. Um, but th that's really been about it. The rest has just been the winery kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it, but now with the the COVID thing, all of that, a lot of that's gone. Mm -hmm. um, right now, m most of the breweries that I played at, they're still not having any yep. entertainment. Yep. So any gigs that are coming in right now, you know, I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, I've played a couple shows at a couple bars um, since everything started back up. But, you know, it's it's still one of those situations. Some bands don't want to play at, at the current moment because of one reason or another. You've got yeah. some bars that are, well, we'll open up, but I don't want to have music in here. We're just going to slowly get back to normal instead of, um, you know, just going f balls to the wall right off the bat, you know. And, right. Um, some people go to bars to... To just drink and music's not their their thing they go thing. for. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can. The first show I had back at a place um, when the bars opened, you know, there's a guy heckling there and he's just like, they just opened the bars, you guys are already in here, and it's just like, you know, you end up with a situation. Really? The guy didn't want to hear live music. Where, and it, where was this at? I almost don't want to say. No, but, that's okay. Uh, I've only played at one place since everything's open, so it wouldn't be hard to do your research. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. But but it was a patron at a bar, and uh, he ended up riding a cab home instead of driving his car home mm -hmm. um, by the request of everybody that was there. Uh, uh. So you could tell he was pretty tuned up, but it was just one of those things where... I mean, even though everything's kind of back to normal, some things aren't quite back to normal. Oh, yet, it's not know? back to normal. I, I don't think in any sense of the word, but um, I've I've had club owners in particular write me apologizing to have to cancel the gig because they're not ready. Mm -hmm. They either are not ready because they're not comfortable with it or they don't have, they're still waiting on the cleaning supply. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been an issue, I know. Um, one gal just apologized over herself, and I, I wrote her back. I said, you don't need to apologize to me. Yeah, everyone's I, flying by the seat of their pants right now. Nobody I, knows what's yeah, going on. This, is, this is unprecedented, and, um, you know, my own store, my, my music store has been closed since the beginning of this. Mm -hmm. And as of right now, we're just open for business through appointment only mm -hmm. I don't intend to go off of that until after the summer mm -hmm. because there's just simply there's not enough of a, not enough of us working right now which means sales are going to be way down mm -hmm. I mean I've got I've got vendors right now that want to sell me stuff at crazy discounted rates it'd be nice but then you don't have anybody to sell it to yeah them, I know? mean you know People why would I buy that now and have it become old stock yeah, because you never know. Like, like we said, everything's turning over so fast now. A year down the road, is what you're getting from them might be 
Oh yeah, obsolete would be the you know maybe not obsolete, but it's yeah it's, it's now the second you know there's a third gen out you you have the second gen in your shop and then, oh exactly you know. exactly so I, I you know I told her I said uh, just because these places are willing to be open suddenly and are ready to just because they're ready to be back open doesn't mean that people are going to come mm, yeah true and I've already seen that firsthand where they didn't show. Mm -hmm. Um, but at another place, uh, we played a played a venue and we were outside, and they did come. Mm -hmm. We had a great crowd. Yeah. And I think we were due for a really good crowd over here at the at the dragway as oh, yeah. well. But of course, that didn't happen. And uh, back to what you were saying about, um, you know, we were talking about something that that's obsolete and mm -hmm. nothing flat. There's so many products that are like that. That's what's also been kind of nice about some of the digital mixers that have come out. Like, I'm, I mean, of course, I'm using Soundcraft as my example because I just happen to have one. Uh, the nice thing about that is that they were coming out with updates. So basically, you were you were getting a new mixer mm -hmm. for nothing. Yeah, every I mean, year. The coolest part about that is not just updating the software, but like also the firmware within the yeah. within the unit itself. And that, yeah, that's pretty sweet you know what it can do that if if somebody's it takes yeah. a lot of in, intuitive thought though on their right. part to be like we have enough hardware here to do all this crazy stuff uh even right. if some of it's not applicable yet we'll have a firmware update that'll utilize it later the only the only thing i worry about with that and i and you know i'm only half joking mm -hmm. is uh that that will become like the iphone where they start giving you software you know they'll update this firmware only to make your unit not want to cooperate yeah, and like, so that you've got to get a new one the classic iphone 6 situation yeah that. well heck i'm i still have a i have a 4s <laughs> <laughs> oh man I, I skip every few years i think i had a three and then i had a six and now i'm gonna yeah the 10 or whatever now if i ever get a new one i uh eventually i'll probably have to well my wife will kill me if i don't but uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it is right though like some of these i mean they got obviously they got in trouble for doing that but it it could happen accidentally where they they're not planning the obsolescence where they say well here's this new firmware update and you don't know it might make your hardware react kind of weird with one another yeah um, I think the biggest issue with the iPhones was the battery. It caused the batteries to right. to process way faster, and that it caused them to bulge a little bit inside right. of the phone. Now, I think what I see in the future for some of this stuff, you know, and I don't doubt. Well, it's just like um, with audio software, um, for instance, uh, Audition and Pro Tools. You know, you don't own it. They Oh, you're almost like you're renting. leasing it. Yeah, <laughs> you're leasing it, um, and if you want to continue that, then they have you continue to pay. Now with uh, what I have, the personas, you can just buy it, mm -hmm. and they'll update you, and then eventually they won't, yep. and then you have to buy the new version. And I, I get that, um, but I can see a time where, like with digital consoles, where they would go, okay, well you've got your digital console. If you want the latest thing, you're going to have to pay. Yeah. Let's say you got to pay fifteen dollars for, you know, the latest update or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I could see somebody trying to do that now. Whether that would um, work, that depends on the people. Yep. Feeling like you'd have to prove that your update was worth having. Yeah, exactly. You have to. I mean, it 
could be like the most menial thing they're updating and they're like it's it's great 10 bucks please and yeah like, and you're like it doesn't change anything on my end i don't even use the feature you're updating anyways so what difference right. does it make and that or it, or it starts to become glitchy because they're not taking care of problems you know that that's the reason i switched over to this uh, new software uh, studio one i had been on audition for years mm -hmm. and i had started with them when they were cool at it pro so i just i was used to that way of working but I realized that, you know, in reading their forum, that they weren't taking care of issues um, that they were having in the software. They were still having problems with it. Mm. And I went, I'm not gonna. Yeah, not, you can see where this is headed. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy that. I'm gonna. I, it's time for me to find something new. So, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm really glad of the choice that I made because this. Uh, I know a number of guys that have this and. And now I can work with them passing audio back and forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what do you have planned? Are, do you have another gig coming up? Oh gosh, uh, I don't think we have any more gigs booked at the moment. Um, the metal band I'm in is kind of not playing shows right now. Yeah. Um, we're we were like in the middle of maybe recording something, but everybody got so busy that we're kind of just just sweep it to the side for a while because. I mean, that was a very labor-intensive thing. It was lots of yeah. fast notes, a lot of articulation, harmonies, and nonsense. So it's it takes a lot to up your chops and actually be good standing next to the people you're standing next to. Um, yeah. So like I said, that kind of just got swept to the side. Punk band's still going. We got an album we recorded. We're, cool. Uh, working on getting it on a, on a vinyl so we can sell it. Um, otherwise, like a lot of the singles you can hear on your, probably your local radio station, wherever you're listening to this in Iowa. We sent it out to almost every one of them that had a show that would play local tunes and right. almost every single one of them has played us so uh thanks everybody but yeah yeah, yeah that's uh it's kind of neat you know to hear your stuff on the radio and realize you you kind of fit into the scene a little bit you know and that's really cool people in eastern iowa hear your stuff and say hey i heard you on the radio it's pretty sweet you know and is it is it easy to to sell lps like like records i don't know you don't know i, I don't, don't know either i uh my suggestion was nobody buys physical media anymore, so why make it? Yeah. But a lot of people have argued against that. They said, well, you'd be surprised. We didn't have a CD for three years, and then we finally came out with one, and people just gobbled it up. And it was like, okay, you know, I guess. So we'll see. Uh, there's a big comeback with LPs, so maybe that'll be something to be said for that. But Well, what's cool about it, though, is the artwork. Usually if you're going to have an LP, you're going to have a lot of artwork on there. I mean, We went that route. We yeah, paid an artist to render images for us for the front and back and high detail and you know so we've got we've got all that stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, Surf Zombies they had a they had an LP. Um, in fact, I think a, an old friend of mine, a kid that I grew up playing with, I think he did the colorizing of that uh, album or had something to do with the artwork. And he's also a cartoonist himself. His name's Billy Heller. Okay. Uh, you should check him out sometime. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he, check that out. he lives in Cedar Rapids. Nice. So yeah, he's played with a lot of different people. He's a killer guitar player. It's awesome. So That's the other thing, the more of these I do, the more I realize I don't know. There's so many killer guitar and musicians. Oh yeah. Drummers. I'm never gonna be able to get to all of them by no. the time I'm done doing this. We've got to get. We've got to get you. We've got to get Bruce. Bruce Borchers. Yeah. Because I mean, we did the whole band one with everybody that's in yeah. Chris Car Band. Uh, kind of got the story of. The basic story of everybody, and then how you all got together. You know, yeah. that's, that was the gist of that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it'd be great to be able to sit down and talk with people. But I mean, even with like coronavirus going on now, it's tough to be able to 
it's tough to be like, hey, can I come to your house and interview you? Or do you trust oh, yeah. me being in your house? You know, and different people are in different ages, different areas of health, different mindsets about what's going on and everything. And some people are like, uh, no. And other people are like, yeah, you know. And it's, it's tough. It's uh there are people that are still not comfortable. I've had people tell me that we wanted to come to your show, but I'm too afraid to go out. And justifiably yeah. so, based on the fact that... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've also had, you know, we tried to invite a number of different people here, and I was turned down because they were afraid of, uh, you know, they had autoimmune issues. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I can't do anything about that, um, you know... Um, I myself have been tested for it and don't have it mm -hmm. um, for what that's worth yeah um, but I don't know what to think of it and yeah, there's um, not enough I'm, information to make a yeah I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna push anybody on on it I don't I don't have a feeling one way or the other I guess mm -hmm. I'm just kind of watching what's what's happening and uh, that's the benefit of doing the live streams you're actually you, you give the ability to people that are not comfortable to go out into public, you still give them the ability to hear you and see you, which is yeah. really nice, you know? And like you said earlier, there's some people that, even if COVID never happened, still wouldn't go out to a show based on the fact that they can't or shouldn't or they have right. problems or they broke their leg and they can't get out of bed or, you know, just something like that. And so it actually gives them the ability to sit down and watch you, oh, which yeah. is a really neat thing. Well, like my, my own band, too, this... When this all went down, we didn't have a place to play, so this was at least like having a gig. Yeah. You know, and we treated it like we set up lights, and we just treated it just like a normal gig, and I just said, just pretend they're, they're sitting right in front of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same thing for, for the guys that came and played here. Well, we had Rod Johnson here. Oh, yep, yep. And he, he, was, he was really nervous about doing it, but um, he did a great job. Uh, we had uh, uh, Dr. Paul Vada here. And okay. uh, they loved him. We we got a lot of compliments on his on his show. And uh, I asked him. I said, uh, "Would you consider coming back?" And he said, "Yeah." So nice. we might do that. I I don't know what we're gonna do from here forward. Um, just like just like everything with the country right now. That's going on. I just have to play it uh, one day at a time. Yep. And just see what's what's happening. I, when all this started happening and I saw that you and other people had started doing live streaming, I initially thought, you're ruining, you're ruining what you've worked so hard for. It made me wonder, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, you, what you have is you're an amazing musician, you're, you're well enough known around the area, the people that know you around the area and surrounding towns, so they would be willing to go see you play live. But if, right. if you're just giving it to them all... For free in the comfort of their own homes, right there on the internet. Are they going to be willing to go out? And I was just like, no, everyone's doing this. They're ruining something. And then I didn't realize it's actually people are more likely to tip. Oh, here's a dollar, even if it's just a dollar, two dollars, five oh, bucks. Yeah. I mean, you're you're actually like you're still generating money. People are still thankful for it. They're still yeah. showing you how thankful they are by giving you money. The benefit is they don't have to drive to a bar. They don't have to buy five dollar drinks and then no. try to find a way to. Well, I hope this person's getting paid enough, and I'm not. I'll put a dollar in the tip jar, I guess. But I've already spent twenty dollars today. You know, there's none of right. that going on now. So. Well, it's 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 tip money. You know, as far as what they gave, uh, people uh, uh, tipped us mm -hmm. through Venmo and PayPal. Um, and of course, this is a learning curve for me. Uh, 
Um, in our case, we'd ring the cowbell every time somebody <laughs> tipped us. I loved it. just uh, the fun concepts like that. Made yeah. Me smile. Um, they, they, I can see that they don't tip as much now because some things have kind of gone back to normal. And and frankly, if if they were tipping and they were out of work, Ooh, yeah. you know, I I I, I told them um, I said you know if this goes on pretty long the tips are not going to be there. They're not going to have the money to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think I think in the end, uh, irregardless of whether they, they tip or not, um, we need an audience and they need entertainment. Yeah. And so eventually all of this will go back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, it's a different kind of normal maybe. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't think anybody really knows what to expect because this has just not happened before yeah. <laughs> uh, ever. So I'm going to just do a little bit at a time, keep, uh, keep my eye on it. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, right from the get-go, it was just reacting to what was happening. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'm doing now is just sort of reacting. Now, uh, the last couple of weeks, I haven't have really had much out there because mm -hmm. I've been reacting to us going back to playing thinking well this probably is the tail end of that mm -hmm. but I don't think it is I, I don't think yeah. so either I don't think so. I feel like you could get away with doing like you said something once a week even if it's just a half an hour even yeah. if it's just you sitting here alone you could bring someone in whatever you know and it's yeah there's I think there's a way to go about doing exactly what you're doing because the video and audio is high quality enough that it's not People don't feel like that you've cheapened the experience at all. Uh, well, it's it's advertising too. Yeah. Um, essentially, you're you're advertising yourself, and if somebody, let's say from um, Eastern Iowa, happens to see me on one of these programs, um, they may hire me at their venue, mm -hmm. and so there's a gig. Yep. You know, um, because there, you can do certain things. I mean, you're still giving entertainment through this medium, but it's really not the same thing as actually being there in a live gig situation because when I'm in a live gig situation and there are people in front of me and they're talking and I can hear them, mm -hmm. I can interrupt them and make them part of the show Yep. and, and try to bring them in and try to get everybody having fun. Um, and that's, that's the part that's missing a little bit with the doing it on a television camera. Because, mm -hmm. and I... You have to understand, I'm 59 years old, so it's like we're on TV. Yep. <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird to say that, yep. but because you could not, it's, that's how much things have changed. You could not be on TV whenever you wanted to. Yep. If somebody, if you got lucky, you got to be on like a telethon or something, yep. you know, that was a big deal. But now really anybody can go on here. The, the, there, there's a lot of questions. It's like, is this going to continue? Will we, will we be able to do this and possibly make money? Will we be able to do this, um, put these series of performances out, and will people hire us? Mm -hmm. and, and also, by doing this, will they, will they come to know our original music? Mm -hmm. And I think that, that right there, that point is really important. Yeah. I think this medium is a really positive thing because for the first time we're going to be able to get our original music out to a larger number of people than ever before 
because now we're on the same playing field as a large-scale artist. Yeah. Yeah. More so than ever before. Yeah. Because they're not able to go out and do their concerts. Mm-hmm. So people are looking for new music, and they're finding it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I am. I Boy, I tell you what, uh, between all of these live stream sites, um, in particular on Facebook, because that's the medium I'm on, Yep. I, th I think I belong to, I don't know, probably 10 or 11 mm -hmm. different pages. Yep. And so not only do I put my stuff on there, but I go and watch other artists. Yep. And it's it's really cool to see some of these different people. There's some very talented it's, people out there. It's pretty mind-blowing because, like you said, on some of those you can see people singing and playing a piano. And that doesn't, there's yeah. almost none of that that goes on at bars around here, you know. That's not something that gets hired for a Saturday night show, but it's still super cool. And you would, I would never get the opportunity to see that unless somebody did it independently and put it online and that's right that's really neat you know yeah. or like you said somebody playing a ukulele a bass and a looper and stuff and it's I, is this person gonna get hired at a bar maybe maybe not but they're doing it online live and it's really cool so it's kind of neat that you get to see that you wouldn't normally have oh yeah well and you i think in this process you're you are gaining a lot of knowledge um you know um my own streams like i've learned how to use obs and, you know, the things that I'm doing are very simple. Um, I'm learning how to, you know, pan cameras and get close-up shots, etc. cetera, Progr program those in so that they can just be hit. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, too, is that you can put text on there and different pieces of artwork. Um, in the case of, like, Trevor, oh yeah, you know, he, uh, it's amazing what he's done with his junk food jam, you know, he... <laughs> I, I watched that the other day, and you know he's just got this nice layout yeah. over the top. Yeah, it looked and, like a box of Oreos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was <yeah>. so awesome. <laughs> yeah, he did a great job with it. I mean, that's really amazing, and he's just doing it out of his his home. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, and I think that's that's what's really cool is to see the different ways that people are doing it, and we all all of us are learning from it. Yeah. I think I think it's just positive for 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 live music and original music. Yeah, very definitely. much so. So uh, I'm assuming if people want to watch any of these the place to do it is your Facebook profile. For but, now, yes. But you do share it in all of the groups on Facebook like the Eastern Iowa and, and even the Audible Farm group. So if you want to get in the Audible Farm group, I, I see you sharing them in there too, but yes. Um, all the Iowa live music places and stuff. I've seen, you know, I've interacted with a lot of the people that kind of do the same thing I do where they kind of try and pump up the musicians in their area and you know a lot of them are starting to take notice of things that are going on in different areas you know some of them peek into my group and see what's going on and share it into their group and it's you know it now makes it from the northern Iowa area over to the Waterloo and Iowa City area you know it's right like, it's kind of neat to see all that happening and uh, I think this actually created a lot more networking than people actually originally thought it oh, would. Oh, definitely. Because, uh, you know, everyone's locked in a vacancy, and all you have to do is get on your phone and look at Facebook. Well, and people like you with your show, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for it. I enjoy Ooh, listening to your interviews. Uh, you do a great job. <laughs> um, and uh, thanks for providing us a place to put our stuff. Yep. Um, it does mean a lot to all of us. Um, and it's nice to have um, somebody in this area that we know. Yeah. Uh, at least for us locally here. Yep. Um, people like yourself and uh, Bob Minter. Yeah. You know, you guys are highly valued, highly valued 
by us. We yeah. really appreciate it. I love me some Bob. I, I, there's a handful of people I can point at and be like, these people were the inspiration for me to do what I'm doing, and Bob is obviously one of those people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he... When I first joined a punk band and I got a hold of him and said, hey, I'm in a punk band, here's some songs, he could have just as easily ignored me and said, you know, take a hike there, Junior. But he loves it so no, much. No, he, he loves music. He, he just, you know, he's... He involves himself in it. It's in him. He just wants to. It's all part of him. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he does great interviews. Um, yes, his interviews are really good. And he's, well, he's an entertaining individual anyway. <laughs> I, I interviewed him once, and he opens up with some of the greatest stuff ever. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to the Bob Mentor interview I did. Yeah, yeah. Like 60 episodes ago, but it was, that was a fun one because I Actually, that day I, I donated a guitar I built and then did an interview with Mason on the Regional Rock Hour and then drove all the way to Bob's house and did an interview with him. And I was, oh, wow. I mean, I had like school work and That's then did all that day. stuff. And I was gone for like almost 24 hours straight by the time I got home. But it was just like, this is insane. I, I, it was so fun. It was worth it. He's just such a fun guy, fun loving, always willing to, uh, you know, listen to what other musicians are doing. It's, it's really great. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. So uh, check out Chris's stuff. You got uh, Chris Carband. Uh, that's a Facebook page you've got for that. Um, yep. You've also got your own profile, which is where most of the videos will end up. But like I said, if you want to go to those Facebook groups or the Audible Farm group, he shares them in there all the time. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, shoot him a friend request. Maybe he'll add you. Maybe not. Otherwise, like I said, it's gonna be you have to go to those groups to uh, definitely be able to see it. It'll be there for sure. So yeah. Um, you know, I, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thank uh, you. I don't want. I don't want you to stop. I mean, like I said, when I first started, I was like, "You're ruining everything," and then right, all of a sudden, it's right. like, now it's like, "Don't stop! Don't stop what you're doing. It's too good, cool to good. stop." So, I really appreciate it. I don't know. Maybe we need to have you guys here. Oh yeah! If you want a punk band in here, we could do it. You know? Hey. You know? It, I don't know. I mean, I. I still think it'd be great to put it all on a, its own independent Facebook page instead of your personal profile, but I'm not running the show and every. It's well, I, you know, there's I'll, there's reasons I haven't done that. I will tell you off air. Uh, they're not. It's not crazy or anything. <laughs> yeah. I just did some yeah. certain things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll put links down below to everything I can find that is Chris's online. So check them out. Hit him up for a gig if you guys are doing gigs. Uh, maybe he'll come out and do a gig with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thank Thanks, you very man. much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> there you have it. Almost exactly two hours. Uh, that's insane. It's insane to think that uh, you know anybody would be willing to sit down and talk with me for that long. But at the same rate, dude, I had such a good time sitting down and talking with Chris. By the time we looked up, it was it was two hours. So hey, you know, it's 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 fun to be able to catch up with some of these people and see what they've been up to. You know, uh, the internet can only tell you so much of a tale, so as far as seeing how busy Chris is online, it was, you know, kind of nice to get his input on, on how things shook down and, you know, even get a little bit of gear talk in there with him. You know, it's just, these are the kind of things that just kind of make me smile. Uh, huge shout out to Chris for giving away some of his quote-unquote secrets uh, from his live streaming, you know, as far as uh, he uses this mic or these are the softwares he uses to, you know, make everything work. And, you know, I've got to say, I've, uh, I've already started dabbling with some of those softwares just to see how they work and I'm debating whether or not to do some live streaming of my own. Holy cow. Uh, I, you know, I didn't realize it was that easy. I mean, it's a little, little complex, but I didn't realize it was that easy to do, you know, and sometimes it just takes asking the right people the right questions. So shout out to Chris for giving away some of his uh, 
trademark secrets, I guess. I'm throwing up air quotes, but trademark secrets that he's got going on here. You know, it's uh, it's like I said, it's just sometimes you don't know where to look unless you ask somebody. And uh, Chris provided all the answers in this podcast. So if you're not live streaming with uh, a service like OBS or or you know integrating it somehow or another with your DAW, that's uh, that's on you now because you've got all the information you need available as far as how to do it. I can tell you this straight away, you can do most of it from the DAW, uh, or most of it from OBS and not even use a DAW, but uh, you might have to set up OBS a little bit more extensively, especially if you've already got you know your digital audio workstation already set up. So, uh, you know, it's kind of six of one, half a dozen of the other, however you want to do it, but that's how he's doing it, and it seems to be working impeccably. So, huge shout out to Chris for, you know, like I said, divulging some secrets and just letting us into his uh, into his space for a while. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for doing the video. Uh, you know, here's a secret. Chris did record some, some video for it. So there may be some video from this surfacing. I will not be publishing it probably. I mean, it'd be neat to publish it, but I'll tell you what, I think I'm just gonna let Chris do it because he did all the work to, to set up some cameras and record and, and make the lighting good. And you know, that that's on him. He, he's the one that's doing that. And I, that's one of the downfalls of doing a portable podcast is I don't have the ability to drag lights and cameras and the whole nine yards with me to, to record things. And it's not always easy to get people to come to your home studio, especially for me. I live so far out of the way for so many people. It's a little difficult to try to convince them to come to my place to, to sit down and do a podcast. Otherwise, I'd surely be doing video for this. Um, you know, I've avoided the the online split screen videos that everyone's been doing because I mean you turn the TV on and that's what that's what they're doing on the TV so I'm just trying to keep things in my wheelhouse and and you know do things as I do them but there is video of this one out there somewhere and maybe it'll surface if it does it'll be up to Chris to make it surface which will be pretty cool if it ends up surfacing so uh, that'll be like the first video ever of anything audible farm podcast related but uh, yeah I gotta say huge thanks to Chris for for doing some of the legwork recording audio for this and sending it to me. Uh, impeccable job, Chris. I really appreciate it. Uh, you've got, actually got me to start uh, testing out some mic scenarios and compressors and limiters just to see how things work in the room that I'm in. You know, he gave me some advice off camera about it. So huge shout out, huge shout out. It was very, uh, overall, it was very, um, very much needed conversation with somebody. You know, I got to learn some new things and I got to talk to somebody that I enjoy talking to. So I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. Thanks, Chris. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you to Couchtown Coffee, su- you know, supporting us every single week. And uh, the coolest part about that is you can save 20%. Did you miss the code word? Go back and listen to the code word. It's in the intro. You can save yourself 20% by making an order on Couchtown. Thanks, Couchtown. Uh, I'll catch everybody next week. Peace. <laughs>